Hi, this is Larry Hankin. Oh, I'm an actor. You've seen me thousands of times, but I can't this. But anyway, you're listening to Still Talking With on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Did you know around 83% of Americans with disabilities are unemployed? We are changing that. The Prospector Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to providing competitive and integrated employment for adults with disabilities through the operation of a first-run movie theater in Ridgefield, Connecticut. We greet, seat, and treat our audiences to the best, most accessible movie-going experience in the world. Hollywood blockbusters, delicious gourmet popcorn, and one-of-a-kind pink glove service. Join us for a movie and see our sparkle in action. For more information or to purchase tickets, visit www.prospectortheater.org. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. But thank you all for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. You have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. From horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet Films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Woo! 
Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Happy Wednesday, everybody. You're watching Still Token With. My name's Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard. And as always, Benjamin, you got a friend with you. I do. <laughs> ben, look, look who it is. It's we're not clowning around tonight, folks. No, no, we're not clowning around tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you're stuck with the boring half. I'm stuck with the boring half of scoops, as he says. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, as you can see, we're actually on uh, location down at Diamond Production Studios. Usually we come live from Diamond, um, the um, office area, but Z Dead End is in town as well yeah. filming, and they're doing a production meeting. So we gave them the... Uh, the um, cool room. The cool room, yeah, yeah. The cool room with all the Emmys well, and we're, stuff. We're in the lunchroom. We're in the lunchroom, yeah, exactly. But hey, that's all right. Because we have a kick-ass show tonight, man. Right. Oh, yeah, oh, what are we... oh, yeah, Jeff's not here tonight. Jeff, um... Just fell down and went boom. Yeah, he uh, rolled himself into a little situation. <laughs> he's he's, rest, he's resting. He's resting. Um, so no, he wanted he wanted the night off. So yeah, he said he asked yeah, Scoops. He said, "Hey man, why don't you fill in for me?" And we got a killer, killer um, guest tonight, man. Right. I mean, this this guy is betting a lot, a lot shit. of shit, right? A lot of shit. A, like, not, no, not shit, but really good stuff. Breaking um, Bad, right? Home Alone, Friends. Was it Friends? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He I never watched Escape it. from Alcatraz. I did watch that. Um, I, I never. The, watched we could sit here for literally the next hour without even bringing him on. He's got and, 194 and, actor credits. Right. Started all the way back, and I believe it was 1966 or 1967 I'm a, I'm a little, with I'm the TV series. A little jealous. A little jealous. Yeah. I don't know. You want to announce him? I, no, you can't. You're gonna let me do it? Yeah. Really? You're better at it. Oh well. So, <laughs> in case you haven't figured out who we're talking about, or if you don't follow us um but you really should we have mr larry hankin joining us tonight whoops you caught me off guard i'm just turning off my my phone here okay it's <laughs> off cool now i'm ready okay cool hi hello hi. <laughs> welcome welcome uh same to you welcome to my my place and i'm welcome to your place this zoom is great or steamy art anyway it's cool oh, yeah they're all the same yeah 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 you were talking i just coercing with my co-host for a second okay well we'll, we'll yeah. coerce away coerce away you know how we operate i mean we get an idea and right. it's like oh wait a minute hey we should do this right we should do that yeah yeah all right so we should talk to the guest yeah right okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. I'm uh, I'm a guest. I don't have to do anything. I'm a guest. Well, you're you're the guest of honor. So tonight's all yeah. about you, Larry. And you know we I, hopefully we'll be able to get some awesome stories out of you. Uh, but for those of you that uh, that are watching, we got a ton of people watching right now. Uh, but everybody knows who you are. But for those that do not, uh, w would you like introducing yourself? How dare they? <laughs> right. Don't know who I am. What the heck is going on? That's my one anymore, right? <laughs> if they don't know who you are, they've been living under a rock for a Even, long time. Yeah. Although I, I, I found out that uh, you, you always like to be first. At least I always like to be first. You know, because I'm tall. I'm very tall. I'm six four. And uh, growing up in, uh, in, in, in kindergarten, uh, what, public school and high school, uh, you always had to line up, you know, for we're going outside, line up. And it was always sized places. And I'm the tallest. I was always the tallest. So I was always last. 
It was like, you know, bugging me. Always last. Size, places. Once I'd like to be first. Once, you know. But no, never happened. So that's where that comes from. <laughs> You're first tonight. Thank you. All right. Made it. Made first the, and foremost. Right. <laughs> long time coming, man. Tell you. I can't understand why it took so long. I mean, you've done literally everything under the sun. Um, well, I, I guess I find that out from doing podcasts. I don't I don't follow me. So it's always kind of a surprise that people know more about me than I do. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the 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 thing that blows my mind is not how many or what I've done, but the fact that whatever I have done is never off the air. I, is, you know, because, it, you know, it's just there's so many, what do you call it, uh, platforms, you know, and right. outlets and stuff all over the world so that um, I get these weird residuals for like $4 or $1.95 from, you know, <laughs> Thailand. It's just, it is really weird, but some... I, I am willing to bet that I am never off the air somewhere on this planet, as a lot of other you know, sitcom members are, like people on Friends or people on Seinfeld or the big ones, you know. Right. Uh, I just saw a thing on the Internet where they had the 50 most popular TV shows ever. Right. And they were all sitcoms. They were all sitcoms. And some from, uh, there was like two or three black and white ones. They're still, you know, popular. And then there was, you know, and, and I thought Friends would be the most popular because I'm on that and I get a lot of fan mail from that. But no, it was like uh, maybe 34th. It's just really wow, weird. Really? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was looking, I was watching, hey, when is Friends coming? Hey, man, you know, let's go. Right. But no. And they're all like old, old shows from like the, the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. They're, they're right up there. So it's really uh, amazing. That's the only amazing thing about the internet is the repetition, and you never go off the air. Right, right. Amazing. And I guess now podcasts are the same way now. Everybody's yeah. doing podcasts. It's amazing. Are you, are you doing a podcast? I was thinking of it, and I've been approached to do one. And uh, and the, the, the Patreon thing, I have this thing on Patreon. I was talking to Ben about that before we went on the air. Yeah, there's a, I, I have a guy who is putting up all my, uh, I made, for the last seven years, I kind of ducked out of working for this for the system. And I just been working for friends and doing my own movies. So I've done about 30 or 40 in the last seven years of my own little film shorts. And now I'm being approached to put them up. So they're being put up. Everything I've done in the last seven years of my own, written and produced of my own, is going up on Patreon. So, I mean, it never stops. It, it, it's it's uh, The internet is hungry, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's just a beast that will not stop. And then the other thing, uh, the what the 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 opposite is that is um, it's a selling machine. It's unfortunately, oh, yeah. uh, wow, it doesn't stop. It's a glutton, you know. Buy this, click here. Wow. So uh, <laughs> I stop. I stop doing that. You know, buying this and click here. I purposely just said, okay, no more internet. I will not. Click on anything that's free or on the internet, just Facebook and one or two friends, and that's it. And I did that for a month, and my savings account just started to go up. Just, just because of the like, 
just for two dollars and five dollars and hey get this and what get this for free for a month and then you forget about it so you're like locked in then so i stopped for a month and it was just amazing what how much money i saved so what you're saying is you're like most of the general public and you have at least one room full of useless crap that you never use no no (laughs) i have i have useless craps on my internet that i don't even know i bought i can't even find them because i signed up for free for a week and forgot about it you know and then it's still there and every once in a while and you know some I, i signed up for automatic payment so i don't even know I mean, it's really, I'm complaining to my accountant saying, hey, we got to just check this stuff because I don't know what the hell I got on here, Uh, you know, because I only use one or two, but, you know, and I'm locked in and I don't know. Yeah, it's really. Well, you know, it's gotten bad. uh, You know, it's gotten bad when they have uh, services now that you can sign up for to monitor your services. Like I saw. Yeah, I I saw an ad for it. And the ad is, you know, uh, are you sick of all those free trials that end up charging you? You sign up to this and basically link it to your bank account. And it's like, you know, uh, easily unsubscribe from all the stuff, you know. Right. So I'm 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 trying to figure out how to get off i'm thinking of buying a new computer what are you guys laughing at what, what's going on over there? justin said that's because most millennials don't know how to operate their bank account and all oh, right you and leo well, kept going and i go oh it's the larry and leo show <laughs> i heard him i was gonna i was gonna get back to him once larry was all set the other day and i said something about checkbook he said what's checkbook oh, yeah there you go oh my. I'm, I'm kind of in that bag you know even though i'm not a millennial I, i'm in that bag I, i've been working so much trying either auditioning or getting jobs or trying to remember lines that I don't have time to like do human things you know, right. that ordinary people do, like take care of my bank account or stuff like that. And then you lose track. So, yeah, but it's, it's, it's mounting up to where I'm becoming aware of it. And when you're aware of it, that means you're overboard on that step. So yeah. I'm trying to like school myself into some sort of normal behavior. But I think everybody is doing it. I, I mean, yeah. You know, if you're not in show business, you're on the internet. You're, you're zooming. You're you're steamyarding. You're you're doing your own podcast. I mean, right. it's well, I you know what? If the electric grid goes down, we're we're effed, man. Totally. Unless you're really good, like we are, and we can operate with smoke signals, so we'll still be coming at you live. Okay. I mean, I never thought of that, but but we'll do yeah, it. Yeah, and and if the wind shows up, you're screwed again. Well, you no, know, instead of broadcasting to all of New York, would be broadcasting to like Omaha, Nebraska, or anybody across do. the valley, you know, or <laughs> yeah. across the mountaintop. But look, if that happens, and that re- and that really happens, and I don't doubt that it will, uh, or that it won't. Uh, but if that happens, somebody's going to come along and figure out how to get wind to blow your smoke away, and you, unless you pay them ten bucks. I mean, oh, they'll figure true. out how to monetize smoke and wind. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I'm I telling think- you, man. 
think, there's people out there already studying that, that. I think we should all start working on that now. And we'll oh, somebody is working on it, man. I, I started out, I graduated as an industrial designer. I got a degree in industrial design. Oh, nice. So what they would do for your senior projects is they would uh, contact uh, all the, the big companies who needed design, you know, and they'd say, well, what are you working on for the future? We'll send it to, we'll give it as projects to students. We'll send you, you know, any solutions that they have, but we're certainly not going to steal anything. So we'd get these, uh, well, uh, cars mainly, you know, uh, future cars. We would get projects like design, a, a 2025 car and we would you know design it and send them in and then as as a thank you note they would send us one or two of what they're really working on 2025 you know and no matter how hard we tried as students to you know get out there and think about the we never could come up with what they were being what those guys were being paid to work on i mean they were way ahead of us and we're students you know we're supposed to be so hip and you know creative no, they're, they're like Ford and Oldsmobile, we could never beat them at designing or any other kind of product. So uh, if you want to design smoke and, uh, you know, wind machines, they're already working. on. They're way ahead of us. You know, oh, of course. It's, it's amazing. I think I agree. It's you can't wow. beat them. You just can kind of go along. <laughs> nothing better to do. True. Yeah. <laughs> Who's got nothing well, better to do? Well, we do, but they also don't have anything better to do. And now there's oh, a lot yeah. of my friends that I graduated with, industrial design. They went to Ford and the D- D- Detroit. They are and, and spent their life designing. So I would see them right. every once in a while, you know, just, oh, hey, what are you doing? Because I was in show business. I was cut totally cut off. And they were designing stuff that was way in the future, way ahead of all the students. But they all were bald and having heart attacks and were getting divorced. I mean, it screws with your life, the oh, yeah. industry and, and oh, all yeah. that stuff. So you could be inventing, you know, wind and smoke machines to, you know, monetize it. But you're going to suffer for it, you know. Right. <laughs> well, I think what you guys are doing is fine. <laughs> it's just, you know, you're doing what you want to do. Well, that that's the down. That's that's the that's the, the whole ball ball of wax. Awesome. Doing what you want to do. Exactly. So doing what you kind of want to do and having fun doing it. And having fun doing it, and also you know, being okay. able to pay your rent doing it. Well, yeah, you know? yeah. Paying the rent's always nice. Oh, it's always wonderful. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's the best thing. I'm telling you, it's it's better than being creative. Paying your rent every month is such a holiday. God, (laughs) no, I mean, I I lived in my car for a year, so you know, you want to talk about paying rent? Yeah, uh, it's it's a pleasure being able to do that. Yeah, right. But a lot of hard work went into you being able to pay your rent. Um, Yeah, I mean, the 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 problem with not being able not being able to pay your rent is not good. But once you're not being able to pay your rent and solve that, which is what my situation was while living in my car. So that solved that. But once you solve that and I'm living in my car, then you think, well, then the rent problem is solved and you start to live in your car as that's normal. In other words, you don't think about living in a house. You're right. thinking about how to live in your car well. You see, you start to fix your car up so you're cool. No, man, you're living in your car. <laughs> you're living in your car. What do you, 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 you've got, you know, 
you know, those little, what are those automatic digital things? You know, turn on the television. What are those called? Oh, you like Electra or like Electra, yeah. So you're living in your car and you got Electra. Electra, you know, turn the car on. Okay. No, man. What? what you, <laughs> you, you, so you think you that's back, it? When you so lay on the back and look up, do you have a nice shag carpet? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so... I mean, there's always a problem in the solution, is, is what I'm right. saying. There's no end to it. You, you solve it, but that becomes the problem of living in your car. And then, of course, when I was living in my car and somebody stole my battery while I was away trying to make some money, you know, somewhere for, for a meal or catch a meal or taking a shower in somebody else's house, you come back and your battery's gone and it's Tuesday and that's no parking. You got to move it on Wednesday. How am I going to move my car? So there's another problem. My house. I can't move my house. They're going to tow my house away. I mean, and you got to worry about that. I got to get back in time before somebody steals my guitar. <clears throat> I missed it. So you, I'm missing my guitar, my my battery. They've stolen <laughs> my house. They've towed away my house. And then uh, in the middle of the night, you're, you're sleeping and you hear rain and it's so nice and it's not rain. It's a drunk pissing on your back wheel. I mean, it's just, it doesn't stop, man. It doesn't stop. <laughs> Well, folks, you, you really talk about in, rent. You really turned tuned in for a great show tonight, man. <laughs> Larry's telling us all about uh, having drunks peeing on his tire while he's living in his car. This is great. I love this. You can't get this. <laughs> hey, I lived it. It's not you. you oh yeah, you <laughs> loved it. <laughs> I loved it. You lived it. <laughs> I lived it. <laughs> and that's just a little taste of some of the memoirs that he's writing. Uh, you know, I'm writing a yeah, I'm writing a book about it. So you know, you it's know? on the top of my mind all the time. You know, when I'm finished with this, I, that's what I got to do. You know, or I, I'm I'm writing screenplays in my spare time, or a screenplay. No, no. Oh, very nice, very nice. Leo, where can they find out more about this amazing guest we have? I uh, well, if you check the show notes, you can find them up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. And a uh, quick question for you, Larry, maybe not a quick yeah. question, but, you, you know, with close to 200 IMDb credits uh, and you mentioned, you know, you're getting these random royalty checks. What is a royalty check that you've received that you're like, holy crap, I don't remember even being in this? Oh, I get those all the time. Those are the, you know, those are the ones where you get like $4 yeah. or $53, you know, a big, big check. For, uh, the obscure one, somebody just told me the other day, heart to heart. I did a heart to heart. I, I didn't know that until uh, yesterday. I got a fan mail, uh, a fan mail on Facebook saying, "Hey, I just saw you on Heart to Heart. You played a cop." Really? Okay. <laughs> He's like, "I did that." I, I did that. No, and I get them all, all the time, like these obscure ones. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't even, I don't remember. The fans tell me that. And then, of course, you know the the popular ones, you know, Breaking Bad and Seinfeld and Friends and blah blah blah. But there's a uh, hundred of those. I think it's 185 now of, of, of the things on. Uh, I would say that 100 of them I don't remember. Or, or I mean, you'll, you'll say the name and then I'll remember it. But if you say, you know, I, I don't know. Oh, I did that? Oh, yeah. Right. I, it's, it's amazing because I don't, like I say, I don't follow myself. Uh, I'm, I'm busy doing other things. So when I do a podcast and these guys or girls, the podcaster, they say, well, you know, you did this. I go, I did? Wow, man. That's how I keep up by doing a podcast. Oh, so we should, we, should, we should have just started at the beginning and read everything you've done. Yeah. No, 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 no. I can't take it. No, 
Don't. Do I'm just kidding. No, I give. Um, I, give note, I give. Know. I give. Okay. <laughs> Look, we got him to give. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do we have? Uh, do we have uh, some commercials to run real quick? Uh, we do. We do. We do. And uh, I'll uh, play them right here. So uh, if I can find the right right button. Uh, so definitely, you know, we urge you to follow Larry. Uh, you know, he has a Patreon. He has some cool stuff coming on. Some current projects. Oh, if I, you're a fan, can I tell you about my website? Oh, totally. Yeah. A uh, website. Uh, TheRealLarryHankin.com, and I got all my stuff on it, all my films, all my T-shirts. The, these these two paintings right here are on T-shirts. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, uh, but I got 40 of 40 T-shirts, 40 different designs. They're really great. So all that stuff is on TheRealLarryHankin.com, and a Patreon is going up, I think, in two weeks. Awesome. All right, that's my commercial. Awesome. Well, you know what? I I do have that link in the show notes. So, uh, you know, if you have issues, uh, you know, spelling his name or, you you know, you you remember like, uh, you know, a day from now, just come back to the show. Check the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening. I got the link right down on the bottom. All you got to do is click. Uh, But also uh, a couple things we got going on is uh, let me find it here. Where the hell is it? Uh, so now is the time to get back to movies. A lot of awesome movies. Suicide Squad comes out this week. And uh, why oh, not go yeah. to the Prospect Theater? Here we go. Did you know around 83% of Americans with disabilities are unemployed? We are changing that. The Prospector Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to providing competitive and integrated employment for adults with disabilities through the operation of a first-run movie theater in Ridgefield, Connecticut. We greet, seat, and treat our audiences to the best, most accessible movie-going experience in the world. Hollywood blockbusters, delicious gourmet popcorn, and one-of-a-kind pink glove service. Join us for a movie and see our sparkle in action. For more information or to purchase tickets, visit www.prospectortheater.org. And also, if you love this show, definitely check the show notes, and uh, you can support Still Token with by uh, checking out episode one, which is available right now on Vimeo. If your world was turned upside down, what would you do? are we gonna do now get high
It was more fun that way. And like I said, you can find the links in the show notes up above or down below. And I brought it up real quick, uh, talking about Larry oh, Larry's shirts. Nice. Yeah, you got the. Uh... Oh, that's just one. That's a that's yeah, it's a silver. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. They're more. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Holy cow! Thank you guys. Look at that. You're wow, that's amazing. Gee, I got to get one of those. Oh, by the way, if you wear one of these T-shirts and take a picture, we'll put you up as a model on the on the website. Very cool. So if you, if you oh, buy a, a don't T-shirt, don't a good time like that. Yeah. So wear the T-shirt, get a picture of you wearing it in any place you want, and we'll put it up. Uh, we have we already have. Uh, we just started that today. Nice. Well, actually, yes. So is is do we have this website in the show notes, Leo? Uh, the real LarryHankin.com. We do. Thank we you. do. Thank you. Uh, yeah, because when we went to commercial break, I had to run to the little boys' room, and then Dustin ran to the little boys' room, just in case you needed to know where everybody keeps disappearing to. <laughs> uh, I just, love that. I, I, I'm for that. If you have to go to the bathroom, go ahead. Don't worry about me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The show will be. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> uh, talking about uh, IMDB, just real quick, some of the classics uh, you've been on that you know mean something to me, definitely the, uh, the movie The Jerk. Uh, which is oh, yeah, phenomenal. Right, sure. uh, Laverne and Shirley Benson. Laverne and Shirley. She discovered me. Really? She got me down to Hollywood. She came up to San Francisco. I was on a show, and she said, get that tall guy. He's a physical comedian. I want to do it. Uh, it was the uh, Laverne. See, some of the ones I really actually know a lot about, like the Laverne and Shirley show, uh, she wanted to, it was, um, they were doing to have a prom. Laverne and Shirley were going to a prom. That was the, the, the episode, prom night. So Laverne, uh, Penny Marshall, yep. wanted a date, wanted a date she could dance with and do funny shtick with, physical humor and dancing. So she said, get this tall guy, Larry something up there in San Francisco, get him down here. We want him in the show. She sent me for me. I got down there and that's how I got an agent and I started to work and I never went back to the committee. I just stayed down there. So thank you, Penny Marshall. She's passed on now, but she's yeah. a funny lady. She was, and I thank yeah, her that, for that getting me actually, down here. The Vernon Shirley, I mean, I'm old enough to remember it because I yeah. watched it a lot. I, yeah, that me was too. one of my favorite shows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. with the, what is it, Wiggy Squiggy? Squiggy, and, uh, yep. Lenny and Squiggy, yeah. Lenny and Squiggy, and uh, yeah. So I watched. I was probably the last really regular watching, except for Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Did I ever watch regular? Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. <laughs> wow. Oh, that was a great show. I never. I would leave a party to watch it's Mary Hartman. Your time, Mary young Hartman. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These young kids. These young kids. I had. I had Bill put the light in here so you didn't see the gray as much, but see, I mean, well, yeah. no, but hey, look at this, look at this, look at this. So uh, no, but uh, that Mary Hartman, I would actually leave the the wildest party to go watch Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. That was a funny show. That was uh, clever. That was really cool. Uh, Back in the day, I know the name. Little tidbit of information: uh, Laverne and Shirley was actually a spinoff of uh, Happy Days. Really, I didn't know that. I watched Happy Days too. Yeah, yeah. I never was on yeah. that. Watch Happy Days. A lot of funny stories about all those things. Oh, yeah. They were crazy times. Uh, totally that was my youth. That was my youth. If, if you folks want to learn more about some of those crazy stories, we suggest you head over to Larry's Patreon. 
He's doing a, um, you're writing a, a book about, what is it? Yeah, I'm writing a, a memoir. They're calling it a memoir, but it's a biography. Yes, you're writing a memoir. memoirs. A, me yeah. a biography, uh, just about my, my show. It's I'm dyslexic. I, I don't know if you know that. If you, I don't know if you noticed that, but I'm dyslexic. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm looking for a title. Maybe a dyslexic in people land is what I'm thinking. So, you know, it's just because when you're dyslexic, um, Mainly uh, on the set, I would. It's not that I don't understand things; it's that I understand things a little too well. I generally get two answers to any one question. I can see both sides of whatever you're asking me, and I figure I have a fifty percent chance of answering it right or well. So I don't bother thinking about it. I just blurt out an answer, and I either get it totally wrong, which on some sets lead to very funny situations, or sometimes I get fired and then rehired because they go, "Hey, wait a minute. He's not. Here's the expression you want to hear. He's not shot out yet. We can't replace him. We'll have to." start all over you, you know that situation <laughs> right on on uh on escape from alcatraz I, I got really pissed off at clint eastwood and i walked well we had a you know it's a long story but i i uh what he did was don siegel who directed that movie is a great director i really respected him and i respected don uh clint eastwood too and i was don C uh, i was clint eastwood's sidekick through the whole movie and so i was on in practically every shot that clint eastwood was in i was in too even if i didn't say anything i was just standing there and after every shot don siegel would come up to him uh after mainly the first shot and he'd go how's that for you clint and clinton would say that was okay for me and then don siegel would say, okay we're moving on boom but he would never talk to me they would like i was wasn't there you know they just talk to themselves to each other and i was getting like a little pissed off because hey man you know i'm here i'm an actor and once i get on the set see my adjustment is once we get on the set you could be clint eastwood but you're not another actor to me i don't it goes away right. so i'm just thinking he's another actor and, and he's not talking to me he's only talking to this other actor that that's what was getting me mad so uh clint eastwood uh, would say you know that's fine let's move on so one time clint eastwood said um uh yeah that would that was fine for me and i decided fine because i was on there for three months that was a long movie Right. So I was after about a month and a half, I was getting really PO'd at being ignored every day. No direction whatsoever. By the way, he didn't give me any direction, Don Siegel, ever, because he wanted me to be without direction. That was the character he wanted me to play. And so, but I didn't know that. He didn't tell me that, but that's what was going on. But so I was getting madder and madder and... He was thinking that was that was fine. Whatever Larry is doing, I'm getting it on camera, and that was cool. So finally, I after a month and a half of being ignored, I said after Clint Eastwood said uh, that, that's fine with me. Let's move on. And it was the first take. Clint Eastwood does not like to do two takes. He will not. He wants to know why. If he wants to do another take, if Don Siegel, and they worked on a lot of movies together, they knew right. each other, and he'd say, why are we doing this again? And Don Siegel would have to explain, well, the camera, there was a jiggle, or one of the lights blew, so it was a technical thing, and he'd say, okay, fine, let's do it again, but he just wanted to know why we're doing this, so he comes over, and he says, is that okay for you, Clint? And Clint said, yeah, it's okay for me, and I finally piped up, and I said, yeah, well, listen, um, uh, I'd like to do it again. I can do it better. And Clint Eastwood just looked at me and he said, yeah, well, I can. And he walked away. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and everybody just broke up. There was, oh, ha, 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 ha. And I said, oh, man, 
and I was in the barrel because it was his crew. When the crew laughs at you, that's no good because once they see you're the fool, they are relentless, man. They will not let you off the hook. That's being in the barrel. That's your fuck. So I, I knew that immediately. I'd been on a, a month and a half. I saw what they do to other, you know, day players. And, and they were starting. <laughs> or they would play tricks on me. And I thought, no, I can't take this. Another month and a half. So I was trying to figure out how to get out of the barrel. I was trying to, you know, and I was being staying up at night trying to think, I, gotta, I can't take another day of this. I'll quit, you know. And finally, I just, you know, luckily I used to be an improv. Sometimes an idea comes and you just blurt it out without thinking i'm on the set and don siegel comes up to clint eastwood and he says it was like five or six days after he had walked on me and now i was in the barrel and he comes up and he says how is that for you clint and i don't i to this day i don't think clint eastwood knew that he was saying exactly what i had said five days ago but he said to don siegel he said well you know um I'd like to do it again because I think I can do it better. And I said, well, I don't think I can. And I walked. And there was dead, there was dead fucking silence on the set. Man. <laughs> However, we were on tier C. Now, tier C is a long thing with a drop off of 30 feet. It's the third tier, you know, and there's this just long thing. And then the cells are off that. They were shooting at this point, they were shooting into a cell. So the camera was hanging out over the, pre the precipice. He was hanging out over the thing, shooting in, and all the uh, crew and everybody was standing on this side of the camera. So if I had a walk away out of the scene, I had to walk that way, down that way, and they were at the short end. The door was right here. The other door was about 100 feet down, down the other end. Of and I, I said, I, and I'm walking, and there was dead silence. And the only place I could walk was 100 feet down the other end. Of, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and there's dead silence behind me. And I thought, well, I'm fired. Okay, fine. I don't care. You know, I had, I'm up to here. I'm out of the barrel. I don't care. And I'm walking, and the door is getting further and further away. And I just, I want to get out of here. I just, I don't want to be here anymore. And finally, as I got to the door, finally, Clint Eastwood said, hey, Larry, come on back, man. No, hey, come on. And then everybody laughed, and I turned around. And he said, it's okay, it's okay. You know, so then I was out of the barrel. I mean, once Clint said I was okay, then the crew just left me alone. And now I was, I had raised up now. Now they were afraid of me. I was right. buddies with Clint. And so I stuck with that. I hung next to Clint even when he always ate with the um with the um the, the extras you know there's 200 you know prisoners who just were prisoners they were right. just extras he always ate with them he, he never went to his cabin or to his winnebago or he always and uh here's a, a a piece of trivia about clint eastwood that nobody knows i've never heard it he is a savant of lear's limericks how he'd entertain because they'd always ask him questions and stuff you know i was eating with them and i always ate with him so the crew always saw me with clint but he would they would say well they, he would they would give him a topic like uh, uh a shaving mug you know do you know a lear's limerick and he would just right off the top of his head he would do a lear's limerick now i don't know if he was making them up or they were real lear's limerick but he was never stumped i was with him for a month and a half just eating lunch wow. with him and uh you know who knew where, where does that come from he was never stumped they would be throwing these lines at him they try to stump him trivia you know that that was uh, that was all but at least i got out of the barrel that was the, the important thing and then uh, 
but uh, Don Siegel would always put me on. But he was always putting me on because he wanted to keep me in that that role. He right. wanted me to keep me off balance and catch it on camera. Uh, one time he says, I, and Clint always just wanted to put me on because I was just stupid. You know, I mean, I was very naive. <laughs> the first movie, the first movie I was doing, so I didn't know. You know, right. uh, I, I mean, now I would never get fed up if if Clint Eastwood said, you know, I, you know, I wouldn't walk. I would just put up with it, you know. So uh, the Clint bet me uh, in, Cl- in, the, in the Escape from Alcatraz, um, when they escape on the roof, they, they're going to escape and they had a, so they were up on the roof and they're going to, and there was a, a jump across it from one building to another. And the whole point of what was written was they jumped across. That's on the script. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty far, and Clint likes to do his own stunts. So there was a big battle about, you know, should we have Clint jump that far? Is there any other way to get around them escaping by going over? And there was a pipe down one, one building. They said, well, he could shinny down the pipe. Maybe that would be better. So that's what they decided to do. But I, I wasn't in the scene, but I went up there to watch him shoot it because I didn't know what Clint was going to do. So I wanted to see, is he going to jump or is he going to, what are they going to do? So I went up there and I'm looking over the edge, you know, just while they're setting up the camera and uh, Don Siegel hadn't shown up yet. So I'm looking over the edge and I'm looking how far it is and I'm going, well, I don't know if anybody can jump this. So I don't know what they're going to do. I didn't know there was a decision. And I and, and he goes, you think you can make it? And I turn around, and it's Eastwood. He's standing behind me, and he's saying, you think you can jump that? And I figure he's jumping, you know, he's putting me on, he's kidding around. So I said, yeah, sure, you know, I'm kidding around. He goes, uh, I bet you can't. And he's like, dead serious. So I think he's still putting me on. I go, sure. So I bet you 10 bucks you can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he's Clint Eastwood. He has no barrel thing. He'll put, you know, he'll do what he wants. Yeah, I mean, if he sees an opportunity, he's going to put somebody on. So he saw the opportunity. I'm standing there over it, you know, and I'm judging. And he goes, oh, 10 bucks. And I go, okay. Uh, I, you know, I still, I'm thinking this is a put on. I'm going to go along with this, you know. And he goes, okay, let's see you do it. Now the crew hears this and they start to stop what they're doing. And they see, oh, Clint Eastwood's got the guy again. So now they start to stop and they're starting to gather. You know, all right, what's what's Hankin going to do? And I'm in, I think it's a joke. I'm, you know, so yeah, so, so Clint says, hey, uh, you know, what's going on? Uh, Hankin's going to jump. Hankin's, now I get frightened. I thought, well, the joke has gotten bigger. Now I got to go along with it. It's still a joke. I'm looking for a way to top Clint. That's what I'm doing. I'll go along with it until I find a way out, you know? It's like uh, rappers, you know, <laughs> Pop, you know, they're cutting each other. And then he says, OK, stand around. And then he moves back and he says, give him some room. And I'm, you know, pretending and I'm getting back, getting ready to run. And he, he's Clint is saying, no, give him some room. And he's backing them up. And I'm going, holy fuck, man, I can't get out of this now. What do I do? And I knew I couldn't make it. I mean, I just knew that. But I refused. I ref- That's my one thing. I don't give in. Right. You know, I'll, I'll wait for for luck to happen or something but i'm not giving in and finally he goes and now he's standing by the edge everybody's back he's standing by the edge so i'm kind of going to run by him and he's going okay and he's looking and he's looking down and he's okay go ahead you know 10 bucks and i'm thinking well he can't even stop me i'll be running so fast if he thinks he's gonna you know stop me at the last minute that's not gonna work so now i'm i don't know what i'm gonna do Right. And I'm ready to run. And thank God 
Don Siegel now arrives with his, his entourage of, you know, note takers and writers and shit. Comes up and he's, hey, what's going on? I thought you're setting up, you know, the, 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 the set. It's not set. It's not ready for him. Is what the fuck is going on? And the crew is saying, hey, uh, Clint Eastwood, bet Larry Hankin's going to jump across that thing. And Don said, what are you, crazy? And he runs over. He says, he can't make that. And he looks at me. He says, you're going to jump this? And I go, yeah. Still kidding around. I mean, I know I can't jump. I go, yeah. And he turns to Clint Eastwood and he starts hollering at Clint. He says, what the fuck are you doing, man? He's going to jump. He can't make that. What is he going to do? He's going to fall down. He's going to kill himself. We got to call a boat or an Alcatraz. You know how we just have to shut down? He's not shot out. So we have to shoot his part all over again. You know what that's going to cost me? He says, we can't do that. You, you, you're not jumping over. Clint, you just get back in there. We're getting ready to shoot this. Set up. And he, again, he stopped. I didn't know what to do. But that's what goes on on those sets when you have dyslexia and you're just <laughs> stupid and you, you just refuse to give in because you think, you know, well, you know, heaven will protect me. Right. I mean, I didn't know what what I would do, but, uh, you know, I, I thank God Don Siegel showed up and he really got angry. I mean, he was flat out mad. Did Clint give you the 10 bucks though? Did Clint give you nobody? Clint Eastwood still thinks that I was going to jump. I mean, I never confessed. He never brought it up. I mean, it was never brought up again. It was just that. That's the other thing. Um, once you do something and there's a mistake or there's a fuck up on the set and they fix it, it's never brought up. That's like a rule, man. And I've been on a lot of sets. If anything happens that's wrong, or if you're not fired, then they don't bring it up again unless you're in the barrel, unless it's a joke and everybody can make fun of this person. But if it's a serious thing, they don't talk about, you know, hey, you're a fuck up, man. That's just not done. I know why. I mean, they're trying to make a movie. And if they, you bring that bullshit onto the camera, right. it's going to ruin it. So I thought that was a kind of a great rule on sets. No carryover. Right. Uh, to to real mistakes. If you screw up a shot, like sometimes uh, they would have something very, oh, I'll tell you exactly one. Uh, in Escape from Alcatraz, they made uh, some, uh, the artist, uh, uh, um, the old guy, uh, I don't know, but there was an old guy who was a painter in, in Alcatraz. Uh, and um, he, he, the the warden took away his paints as punishment and the guy was crazy and he said to somebody if i can't paint i don't need my hand and so when he was in the shop he cut off his hand on camera wow. that's how crazy he was uh wow. in the story so they the prop department made two fake hands past the elbow so there was a close-up shot and they had two of them and uh the the actor who, who, whose hand it was. Supposedly in shop, he got a, a, an axe, and then you see the cameras on his hand, and he chops his own hand off and, and, and bleeds maybe to death. So they wanted to get it, and I remember the, and I wanted to see that, and I was in the shop. So the director came to the actor, Blossoms, Robert Blossoms was his name, came up to Robert's Blossoms and he said, now look, you're going to have to cut your hand. They're going to see you with the axe, but they won't see you in the shot. They'll just see the hand. Do you want to cut it off or do we'll get, you know, a crew member or somebody else? Do you No, Robert Blossoms said, no, no, I want to cut my hand off. I, I, I want to do it on camera. So they gave him the axe. They put the hand down and then everybody went silent because each 
one of these hands cost about $2,000 each to make. So this is like no, no joke. I never saw on, on three months the, the, the set was that, that silent. So he puts it down. They get the camera ready. And they say, okay, Robert, you ready? And Robert says, yeah, right. And Robert puts his hand down. He takes the axe and he cuts it off and he misses. But he only cuts off three fingers. And it was supposed to cut off the wrist. He just missed, man. <laughs> he cut off these three. And... And all of a sudden, the director yells, cut, and there's just silence, man. I mean, this was a big F up, and I didn't know what was going to happen. And there was just silence, and everybody didn't know what to do. And then they took the other, and they said, well, we got another one. But Robert Blossoms just put down the, uh, he felt awful, man. I mean, he just, wow. see, so put down the axe, and he just backed away. And nobody would look at it. Nobody, you know, they, they just dealt with the problem, I mean, which was kind of polite. That they were they didn't want to do any more damage to his brain than already been done, really. So they they backed away, and then the director said, "All right," because everybody was uptight now. And they said, "He said, who wants to cut the arm off?" The director said that to, to yeah. everybody standing around. He said, "Well, look, somebody's got to cut it off. Who's going to cut off the arm?" And nobody said anything because this is the last one, man. Right. It was a really important. And finally, Clint says, "Okay, I'll do it." You know, just like Clint Eastwood. He was now being Clint Eastwood. He said, "Okay, give me the axe." Oh, uh, yeah. So he picked up the axe, and everybody just silent, standing around. And he goes, "Okay." And now Clint was directing. Even even uh, Don Siegel backed away. And he said, okay, is the camera ready? And he was like, really, a, a lot of, uh, what do you call it, adrenaline. I mean, he was talking loud. Yeah. Talking, he said, okay, everybody ready? And just, it was weird. He said, all right, is everybody ready? You got it. Is this in focus? We're going to do this once. Okay, everybody shut up. And he just went up like this. He went, bam, perfect. Clint Eastwood, perfect, perfect shot. But nobody, and Blossoms, Robert Blossoms had about another at least a month to go. It was never brought up. It was never mentioned. And I've seen other screw-ups, not as bad as that one, not as expensive as that one. And the same thing, you know, it was bad. They had to, you know, send out. Sometimes they had to send out or do it the next day while they fixed it. Never brought up. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's, maybe it's the same in all kinds of businesses. They all kind of leave somebody alone or get on somebody. But it's a group effort and they take from the manager or the director, kind of like you know. But it's, it, making movies is kind of interesting. Nobody tells those kind of stories. That's why I think they're interesting. They all talk oh, about the show business stuff. Right. You know, it's just stuff that happens that are one-offs. They, they never happen again. Or And that's the thing that, that I remember about each thing. The weirdness that happens that makes that show unique. But it never happened in any of the other shows. Some shows, like Heart to Heart, the reason I don't remember it is because nothing happened. I auditioned, right. I went in, I did my part. Nothing happened and I went home. You you look for your next job so but so, there's certain ones so what was one of your most memorable shows well that was it that was a big one because it was my first show and, and a lot of big things happened because it was big stars i was you know so the imprinting was amazing uh right. on uh working with working with great directors is, is one working with john houston i did um annie now yep. again i always i just wanted to audition for the man i i never thought i would get the part he said you know hey they're doing annie get down there uh you know oh, i don't want to it's all out in the valley it's just a one day yeah well it's john houston john houston holy cow yeah i'll, I'll audition there was like five lines or something but 
So it was kind of below my pay grade, but John Houston, I'll do anything. I'll do our work for free. Right. So I, I did, I went there and, and two things he did that were just amazing, but that all great directors just do one thing you'll remember for the rest of your life. Not the same thing, but he did two. One was in the audition when I came in. I had long hair, much longer than this. Was, I was a hippie. My hair was down here. I go in, I'm auditioning for the dog catcher. And uh, since it's John Houston, he had the premier uh, casting directress woman of Warner Brothers. So, you know, the, the top, top, you know, so she was like as big as John Houston is for his job. So she brings, he says, uh, Larry Hankin, you know, you're next. So she brings me in and he's uh, on the set, John Houston, and he's watching his rushes, you know, in the TV village, he got the big screen and he's, he's watching like this, totally into it. And as he comes up, he says, Oh, and she said, and she takes me by the shoulder. She gets behind me and she takes me by the shoulder and she guides me right directly in front of him. And he goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she goes, oh, I I'm, I'm just positioning him so you can look at him. Don't touch my actors, please. I go, wow, man, a little respect, cool, <laughs> you know. So uh, I asked, wow, man, don't touch my actors. All right. So then she backs off. Now she's just standing. Now it's like the head of Warner Brothers casting. She's standing, you know. He goes, you know, Larry, you know uh, that, uh, oh, then, oh, right. So he says, yeah, you want to do the part? You know the part? Did you read the part? Yeah. Um, and he doesn't, he said, I'm not going to read you. Uh, I just want to talk to you, see if you, you know. And he says, you know, you have to get into a costume. You're, you're going to uh, arrest uh, Annie's dog. It's a very small part. You still want to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, she goes behind me again and very delicately, not touching me, but she takes my hair because it was down to here. And she goes like this from behind and she holds it up, you know, like this, like in a ponytail back up like this. He says, what are you doing? What are you doing now? And she says, I'm holding his hair up because he's going to have to get his hair cut off. He's, he's have to have a short haircut. He's the dog catcher. And he says, please do not touch my actors. I am a director. I have imagination. I can picture it. Do not touch my actors. She backs off and says, thank you, Larry. Thank you, Gladys, or whatever her name is. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Gladys. Thank you. That'll be all, Larry. And she just about was going to grab me, and she backs off, and she says, follow me. And I followed her out. So that was great. You know, I said, okay, I don't care if I get the job. He, I respect. Don't touch my actors. Wow. You know, until then, I didn't know I was an actor. I was just trying to be one. You know, I didn't right. have the job, and it was Okay, now I'm on the set. I'm on the set, five lines. I have my hair cut off, you know, I'm, I'm cool. Show up for the job. And uh, now I, I learned something in acting. And that is, if you show up before, is it okay that I'm taking up any time or are we, co we cool? Oh, totally cool, yeah. Oh, okay, are you, so if are you, you having have, fun? No, I'm, I'm great. This is, you know, out of my life, you know, I'm, I'm just telling you. That um, when I showed up, and I know from doing now, at this point in my life, I've done enough shows to know that this is a fact and you can use it. That if you show up before your costume is put in your Winnebago, in your dressing room, wherever your dressing room, if your costume is in your dressing room, that's it. You're married to that costume. You have to put it on. There's no question. But if your costume is not in the dressing room, that means they haven't decided yet. So you can go into the costume uh, room uh, department and you can help pick out your costume. And I've done it many times. 
So that's what I did. Uh, I show up to the dog catcher and I said to the AD, as soon as I show up my first day, I said, is my costume in my dressing room? He says, no, it's not there yet. I said, great. Where's the costume department? He says, over there. I said, great. Thank you. I know where my my dressing room is. So I immediately went to the costume department and I said to the the guard, whoever's guarding it, I said, uh, where's the uh, where's the, the, the costume for uh, um, Annie? She says, uh, it's over there. I said, I'm the actor for uh, uh, the dog catcher. I want to just check my costume. Okay, that's over there. And they have your costumes on a rack. And each uh, actor has all of the choices on his rack. So it says dog catcher. It's about 10 or 15 choices. So I'm going through it, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, there's a guy standing next to me. And he says, who are you? I said, oh, oh, I'm the dog catcher. I'm just checking my costume. It's okay. I asked the costume department. They said, it's okay. He says, I have your costume. So I thought, Okay, what is it? So he goes, he reaches around on the table and he gives me this. It's a square that looks like a square piece of cardboard that's five, that's three inches thick and 15 inches square. But it's a costume. It's a costume. It's a, uh, you know, a garage mechanic, those blue things they put on. Okay, it's that washed, starched, folded, and ironed. And that's what it looks like a piece of cardboard. (laughs) And he says, uh, this is the dog catcher's uniform. Here, put it on. No one touch it. So I say, no, I can't put that on. He goes, why not? Well, because it's it's folded. It's starched. It's clean. I'm a dog catcher in 1937 in the Bowery. I mean, I'm catching mongrels all day. It's got to be filthy. He says, this is what you're wearing. I said, I'm not wearing that. What, are you kidding? He goes, if you're not putting it on, we're going to go to see Mr. Houston. I said, fine. You know, I'm thinking, don't touch my actors. He's on my side. I got this. He says, uh, really? He said, well, I'm not putting it on. I don't care who you, who you take. He said, you're going to be fired. It's fine with me. Let's go. And I and see, when I get, again, if I say I'm going to be fired, then I don't care, man. I just yeah. don't care. And that's serious. So I said, I don't care. Let's go. He says, fine. So now he's leading me. He's carrying it like a tray, like a silver tray. He's carrying it like this. Now, it rained the night before, but it's sunny out during the daytime. But it's outside, and there's puddles around, but there's clear paths that we walk. It's okay. Walk, and there he is. He's doing it again. He's in TV Village. He's watching, you know. And he, and he turns around, he sees us coming, and he said, George is the guy's name. He turns around, and he cut, he immediately grocks the situation. He says, George, what's the matter? What, what now? He says, George, what now? And uh, he says, well, and he comes up, and he says, oh, hi, Larry. So he remembered my name. I mean, hi, Larry. George, what's going on? What's the matter? And George says, this actor will not put on his costume this costume. And Houston turns to me and he says, uh, that right, Larry? I go, yeah. He says, uh, why is that? And I say, because it's, it's, it's not filthy enough. I mean, it's to look at it. It's starched. It's clean. It's, it's, it's washed. It's ironed. I'm, I'm, I'm a dog catcher. I can't wear that. George, give me that. Takes it, looks around and he starts to unfold it. <laughs> you know, he's just, and he's shaking it out as he's walking away. And the one thing I noticed was he had expensive Italian loafers on, you know, little gold buckles on it. And he's walking away and he walks right into the biggest puddle he can find. 
and he takes it out, he shakes it, and he drops it in the puddle. And he walks in with his Italian loafers on. It must be, you know, 200 bucks a piece, at least. I don't know. <laughs> and he starts walking all over this uh, garage mechanics uh, starts thing. And he's stomping on it, submerging it under the puddle. And then he very delicately, with these two hands, he reaches in and he picks it up, drop, dripping away, holds it far away from her, and he walks back to George, and he hands, he said, George, I want you to take this costume, dry it off, and put it on this actor. Thank you, George. Thank you, Larry. And he turns back, and he's back into his chair. And I thought, cool, man. Now, this is why John Houston is John Houston. And the costume that I'm wearing in the movie that you see is the costume that John Houston's stepped on in the puddle and it's perfect it's nice. perfectly filthy it's great that's that's john houston man right that's what great directors do they don't do that they do the impossible or the thing you could never think of that's why they are who they are right you know i i'll i'll jump across that if john houston tells me to jump across i'll jump right. across Right. So, Leo, I mean, you can. Where can people find out about this amazing guest tonight? Uh, well, certainly check the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. And uh, the website's therealarryhankin.com. Is that it? Yeah, therealarryhankin.com. Awesome. Thank uh, you. Hey, thank That's you. That's pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, it's, I've enjoyed listening to these stories, and I want, I want to learn more. So, I, I might be following you on Patreon. <laughs> well, cool, man, because that's what it all is. It's like eight hours of me telling that kind of story on each set has a different director or a different screw right. up of Larry Hankin because right. of dyslexia, you know. Uh, but uh, they're 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 worthy, uh, you know, of, of listening to. They're they're good. Well, stories. absolutely. I mean, your your credentials over the years. I mean, you've played in so many things. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, but, I but here's the thing. The the thing is that as good or bad as I am, and each one of those things, yeah, there's something that I have that I don't know about, and I try to be a good good actor. I try to do the right thing, memorize my lines, hit my marks, don't bump into the furniture, and give your cues. I try to do that. But above and beyond that, um, there's directors who the real great ones don't give you directions. In other words, they see something that they want on camera and they will do anything. The great ones will do anything to get what they want on camera. It's not you. It's not personal. And it's not what they tell you. It's what they see in the TV village on camera. And that's what they're trying to get. And if they turn it and the only and they'll do anything to get that that performance. And it may not be any direction at all. Larry David, the direction that he gave was was incredible. That's the third one. Yeah. One one more time for a short one. uh, Just to show you show the. The, the great directors. I, sh- I showed you two. Here's another one. Totally different, but great. I'm, I'm uh, on the set. Um, Larry David just stands off on the side. He doesn't direct. He stands on the side. This is a uh, Seinfeld. He, he obviously does it for his show now, too. But this is Seinfeld. Stands up to the side. And Tom is the traffic director. He directs the three cameras. He directs the actors. But Larry David is protecting the jokes and the funny, the writing. So he'll say, Tom, hold it for a second. I want to talk to 
Michael. So he goes up to Michael and he'll go, and he'll take you aside. See, a lot of directors don't. If they're going to tell you something, they'll just walk up to you like he does to Clint. Now he says, you know, Clint, is that okay for you? Yeah, fine. Okay, moving on. No, Larry David will pull you aside, which is kind of nice, you know, because if he's going to tell you something bad, it doesn't involve everybody else. He calls you aside, tells Michael something, and he did that to each one. I was there for a whole week. So he does, and he whispers something, which is also nice. It's not for everybody. It's just for you. Okay, and he goes, okay, and then Michael goes back into the scene. You do this. He's okay, Tom. Tom says, okay, and action. Michael does the scene again with everybody else, and Michael is 20 times funnier. God knows what he told him, you know, but it, well, you know, you go, oh, wow, man. So I see him do this to each one. He does it to uh, Seinfeld. He does it to the girl. So I'm there the whole whole week, and he never talks to me. He's one of those directors. I understand. I, I respect him. He doesn't direct. He doesn't say anything. If he has something to say to you, he'll call you aside and whisper. And you don't know if he's directing it or he's what he's giving you. I don't know. If he's giving you a line reading or whatever. One day, I think it was the, the day that we were shooting, he says, Tom, uh, hold it for a second. I want to talk to Larry. I go, oh, man, I'm going to get the, the Larry David juice. He's going to make me funnier. He takes me aside. Oh, great. Okay. Now, I got to tell you, I do have a backstory every once in a while. I don't just show up. I think about it. So for, for Larry David's, for the, the show, uh, for Mike, I was doing, I was imitating uh, Michael, uh, uh, Michael Richards, uh, 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 Kramer. I was imitating Kramer. But I had a backstory for... Uh, uh, Tom Pepper, who was the actor who was imitating Kramer, had a backstory for him. And uh, I was thinking, okay, uh, I'll just go zero. I think Tom Pepper is passive aggressive, you know. Don't, I don't want to hear any more dried fruit. It's like passive aggressive. He doesn't hit anybody, but he has a, so I'm thinking, okay, zero. Keep it unless either be aggressive or don't do anything. Be aggressive or don't do anything. Nothing. Don't do anything. Buster Keaton, the great stone face. So I had Buster Keaton in mind while I'm doing Tom Pepper. Calls me aside and Larry David says, whispers to me, I know what you're trying to do. Just like with that challenge, I know what you're trying to do. And the key word that got me was trying. You know, all of a sudden, again, I'm a professional. What do you mean trying? I'm either doing it or I'm not. What this? I mean, that's what I'm thinking. And right. who are you to get this attitude? Either give me a direction or leave me alone, man. What is this trying? So I said to him, because again, you're on the set. You're another actor. You're another director. You're not Larry David. So I just said to him back immediately. I said, oh, really? What am I trying to do? And Larry David says, I'm trying to do nothing. Which blew me away because that's exactly what I was trying to do. So being pinned, you know, and I was I was ready to have a fight with him. And I would go, whoa. And I said to him, Oh my God, that that's what I'm trying to do. This became is like this little kid. Oh wow, that's right. Yeah, you are I was that's what I was trying to do. So he says, Well, you're doing something. And he walked away. And I thought that's the greatest piece of direction I've ever gotten. And that was it. So there's another great director. That's all, another he set me up and then he just hit it out of the park. Right. And I had not, I just stood there knowing exactly what was going on. And I'd have to think. I, I mean, a, a great director wow. is a great director. And there's no comparison with the other directors who give you direction and get a good performance and, you know, pick up their check at the end of the week and go home. 
Oh. I'm telling you, man, that's what I love about acting. We've been speechless all night. Man. Oh, yeah. We've, li we've literally been speechless all night. That doesn't happen often. Usually we have some sort of smart-ass comments. Oh, well, okay, whatever. I mean, that's just the truth. I mean, I'm just telling I'm, you what happened. No, I've been, I literally have, have been able to sit here and listen to you talk about these stories with some of the greats out there. I mean, you you are one of the greats to us. Um, So, you know, and to listen to these stories is just mind-blowing. Right. I, I was just uh, talking to a, a director from the committee about uh, three, four hours before I, I came on your show today. Yeah. I had I had breakfast with him. So I haven't seen him in uh, about two years because of the COVID thing and everything like that. And he's traveling and I'm traveling. So we were, you know, talking about old times, about the committee where, you know, where I was an improv improviser for 10 years. And we were talking about directing and, uh, and acting and the confluence of, you know, who's better and, and why your one is better than the other. So he says, well, you know, uh, the great directors don't give great, uh, the great directors don't direct as far as he knows, studying direct. And he was saying, you know, you're one of the, he said to me, he said, you're one of the uh, good people, the good, the good actors that I liked directing, even though I said to him, yeah, well, you didn't really direct. You kind of sort of, you know, suggested because in, in improv, you're up on the stage improvising. All they right. can do is say, do it again, but do it better or maybe work on the cup thing. They don't give you directions. Right. They say the cup thing looks like where they might be jokes. Explore the cup. And that's a direction. But, you know, it's not personal. Right. So. And, I, and I'm saying, well, yeah, uh, I thank you for that. He says, but so you're one of the easier guys that one of the better actors that I had to direct. And I said, yeah, but the way you directed really helped me. I've done a lot of podcasts where looking back on what directors I had with the podcasts, I noticed because I watch them all. I just and, and I said, I got to stop that. Because great actors also don't watch themselves. They hate watching themselves because they see their mistakes. They just want move on, man. Don't right. look back. They may be catching up with you. That, uh, you know, right. uh, that picture, right? Don't right. look back. They may be gaining on you. Right, right. So don't look back. So I said to him, I'm not going to look back. So I said, uh, so I said, well, but you are you are great. I'm watching these podcasters, and when I watch my performances, I notice that if the podcaster, the interviewer, is a good interviewer, I'm a good interviewee. I'm great. But if the interviewer doesn't know who I am, or is not a bad, or is a bad interviewer, then I'm not good. Right. So it's a it's a conflict. It's not one or the other. Oh, oh. You'll have, to send me email. You'll have to send me an email after you watch this podcast back and let me know if you were good or bad. So I don't know. I, I can feel it. No, I, I, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm telling you because there's no judgment. There's, there's no judgment. And uh, I have stopped. I stopped about uh, two or three weeks ago watching myself. It's just too much time. Yeah. So now and a half and I got to write this screenplay. I just don't have time anymore. And, and also, I don't like being sucked into the internet. You get on the internet for five minutes to do something, and all of a sudden, three hours are gone. What the hell happened? You know, you just got sucked in. What the hell? Where, you know, so I, I stopped. No, I've, I've learned. I'm just telling you the past. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't tell you if I thought you were going to, you know, do that. If you, oh, what? Tell me what I did. You know, no, no. You, you guys are great. I can, if I have, it's flow. That's all. It's flow. You have flow or you don't. 
Oh, no, I mean, if I have flow, I'm flowing. And if I'm not flowing, it's not going oh, yeah. well. It's, I mean, you flowed, you flowed the whole yeah. show, man. Yeah. And it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, oh, I learned things about you that I wouldn't have learned. And I hope our viewers and listeners did too. But, well, you know, I learned things about me too. You know, I've never done I, this. So, you but... know, I didn't know how this interview was going to go. And my wife says to me, me neither. <laughs> you just she, jump in. She goes, yeah. make sure, because my wife's a huge friends free. Huge, huge, huge friends free. Oh, okay. And she had to work tonight. And, she, and I'm in New York and she's back in, in Massachusetts. Uh, she said, make sure you tell him he owes you a cat and a waffle. And I said, I I'll tell him. I'll tell him. You know, and an um, oboe. <laughs> an oboe, a cat and a waffle. And tell her this, no butter, no syrup on the waffle, and no butter, no syrup on the cat. Okay? <laughs> oh, Larry, you've been an amazing guest. Uh, but Thank Leo you. does run. You guys are great. Show. You guys are great. So what I'm going to do is, Leo. Yes, sir. Do your thing, brother. Yeah, uh, I totally want you to check out the real lanky, uh, real lanky, real Larry Hankin. <laughs> the real lanky Hankin, really? <laughs> well, that's what they called me in high school, lanky Hanky. Lanky Hanky. Yeah. Uh, the real Larry Hankin.com. I got it in the show notes, along with, you know, everywhere where you can follow Larry. Well, uh, these stories are on Patreon. Totally. Well, well, when it goes on, when it goes on. Well, they need to follow you in order to look for updates on when you're going to be starting. Yeah, okay, that. cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah, okay. uh, and for, for me, just Google Leo Pond. You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true, could be not. But, uh, you know, I do a lot of things. I run the, uh, the Dorkening Podcast Network, where we have almost 40 shows on a network. A lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. Matter of fact, we're going to be doing another show shortly. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Scarlett Johansson uh, suing Walt oh, Disney. Man, oh, yeah. Totally. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of fun on that show as well. And uh, so, Larry, I, I know you're trying to avoid the Internet, but when you're on it, where do you like interacting with your fans? What, what do I like interacting? Uh, where, where do you like interacting with your fans? Do you like Facebook, oh, I'm, I'm, Instagram? Well, uh, I, I, uh, I would like to interact with my fans. I, I don't know how to do it. Uh, Facebook, you know, they just say, hi, I don't, I don't write cause it, it takes too much time. Okay. Uh, I just go, you know, I, I say thanks or great or <laughs> full of crap or whatever. <laughs> But uh, I would like to interact. I don't know how to. Uh, I mean, uh, well, what? how can you interact with fans? You know, I'd like to talk to them, find out what they have to say, because I'm interested in them, yeah. you well, know, their lives. I'm a writer, you know, I, 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 that's, but I don't know how to do that. Well, you can, you know, ask questions on your Facebook page, you know, uh, and uh, I'm sure yeah, you'll but get... It's right. They can write to me, yeah. you know, and say, hey, what... But I don't, you know, I just give a one-sentence answer. I, I don't interact. I just kind of answer, and that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for interaction. Yeah. This, to me, is interaction. Right. So Zoom, you know, yeah. uh, that that's why I was thinking of doing a podcast. Then you can interact. But I got so many things oh, that I'm doing. Is, I'll, I'll, I'm going to throw it right out there right to you right now. If you were interested in doing a broadcast, type podcast show that man right there is one of them to talk to okay and that man over there well they're both on this side of me but both of them you know oh okay uh, no I, I i will but i, I that and the, and the cartoon thing of of making what i talk like like okay the two along. stories the two stories that i just told you on your show the clint yeah. eastwood and uh, the other one um, that could be a cartoon if oh, you yeah. illustrated that with my voiceover of telling the story as you see it played out. Like the Tig and the Taro yeah. show. That's, she's talking and they're showing right. it. That's what I want to do with your guys. 
with the I, cartoon guy. I could see that. Yeah, I could see or, that. Yeah, or just the regular interaction. Yeah. So contact me. I don't, you know, I don't know how to contact you, except, except through the internet. Okay. Don't worry. I, I, I got his contact. But, uh, it, but you know, okay. I was told. Yeah, I'm very interested. By, by very my source not to pass okay. it out unless he said to. So I will make okay. sure that I get Leo in touch with you. I'll make sure that I get Dustin in touch with Scoops. you. Scoops. 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 We actually all run together. So yeah. we're we're all. Um, Has anybody ever done that to you, Scoop? And... Scoop? What? <laughs> you giving me a hard time. And you're like, what? Everybody gives me a hard time. He's like, what, <laughs> what happened? And I give everybody else a hard time. Yeah, okay. Why? Good. Yeah, good. No, in other words, you, you have, have to have a reason to give him a hard time. So you just you know, bring it on yeah. and then boom. <laughs> so, okay, so I'm for Scoop. Oh. Scoop knows what's happening. Okay, cool. <laughs> Partially. Partially. <laughs> so when um, when Leo closes the stream, just hang tight for a minute. Don't don't jump off until okay, we come back cool. on backstage real quick, if you don't mind. Cool. Um, so you know, for us, you know, we like people interacting with you. When people don't get us flagged and reported right. in the pages, go ahead. You don't like? Oh, you can't talk about where you like people interacting with you. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> It's that's actually that's, that's only bathrooms, bathrooms and bedrooms. Oh, that's only for oh, it's only for his right. wife. He said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's cool. No, that's good. That's because that's that's she's standing next to him. She's gonna beat him with a hammer. <laughs> you know, this is how naive I used to be. You know, when they went to Hollywood parties in the beginning, when I first showed up, I was like, I was, I don't know, in my twenties. 25 or something but my my head was 16 I, I was very naive so when in hollywood parties i go to hollywood parties and they would disappear into the bathroom and i always wonder what was going on drugs were going on in the bathroom that's what was going on but i would always, what are they doing in the bathroom well if you have to ask you're not going to be invited in there boom you know so that was i stopped asking and finally got invited you know but that that's in my youth that's that's, yeah. He's like, yeah. that's like saying you know, my wife, my wife. so anyway <laughs> that's great i love it dude yeah you want to want to want to want to do i want what want to want to want to want to no i don't want any no you don't want to no you don't want to tell people where they can find scoops of mischief i mean i could you probably should now that we're all partial owners of hellfire entertainment media you can find, hellfire radio <laughs> you can find us at uh facebook.com scoops and mischief or over at uh www.hellfireradio.com cool hellfireradio.com uh, yeah, that's your us, program that's scoops program that's what well, is that? yes, for, the all of us up here including jeff that was here and hiding off camera are oh. partial owners of hellfire entertainment media and help oh cool Radio. all right fine. yeah um but to, for for jeff and i you know just go to stilltoking.com you'll find everything you want to know about the comic books to the live action to awesome shows like this yeah. um if you've missed a show like this and you want to rewatch it all you're going to do is go to the to the website Right. Go to season one, season two, or the podcast side of things, uh, and just click on that picture. Right. That's it. Cool, man. You know, That's pretty it. simple. Yeah. So cool. to all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do every day. So people thank you, man. Can be like us. Thank you both. Can, thank you all. We do every day. Leo, Ben, Scoop, and Larry. Thank you. you. Oh, and, that's uh, me. Okay. <laughs> Stay safe. Okay. 